one of the things about the summertime, we've entered into the summer, um, which is the only reason. I, 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 for those that know me, I just struggle in the heat full stop. It feels like it zaps. I feel like the bolder I've got, the, more, the less energy that I have, it feels like it just zaps straight from here. Uh, so it's the only reason I'm wearing shorts today. If this is too off-putting for you, please forgive me. I'm just struggling with the heat. I'm a, I'm a proper Irishman. I can't deal with it. Um, so one of the things about the summer, we're, we're, we're in the here for the next, uh, we're in here for the next 10 weeks. Four Sundays, uh, no, five Sundays in July, isn't it? Four in August, and then one at the end of September. And then God, we're, we're, we're blowing where you want us. <laughs> we want to get caught up in the wind of the Spirit. Where are you taking us? What are you doing with us? Anyway, so we're here, and it's really difficult sometimes because there's so much to and froing. And uh, so guys, guys that are here, the 27 of you, so glad that you're here. Because already so many are on holiday, so so many are already on mission, and we love that. We love that. That's part of who we are here. Uh, but it's always quite difficult to, to 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 grab hold of a series. It's always quite difficult to get get your teeth stuck into something. But there is something that I want to do over the next two Sundays, and then on the fifteenth of July, just before we make our way to Bridget's house, how early we get to Bridget's house will depend on fudge. So uh, on the 15th of July, Fudge is going to be here and speaking, and then we have a few others that are going to come and, and speak to us over the summer months. There's just something that's just been burning in me, and, and, uh, and I knew that I had these two Sundays that I, that I could give myself to, and, and I really wanted to do that. And uh, again, those of you that know me know that I, like, the thought of putting a title to something I find really difficult. So Paul asked me. Paul asked me last Sunday, or maybe before. What What are you speaking on? What are you speaking on the next few Sundays? And uh, and Paul was able to uh, ramble something about faith and doubt and fear. And Paul was able to put something together. I'm still no, I'm still no wiser what we're going to call this these next two Sundays. But I just want to more than anything. I want to I want to open up a conversation. I I truly want to open up a conversation around faith. What we actually think of faith. How we actually define it. What we think of doubt? Is it a friend or is it a foe? And uh, and so I just want to begin a conversation that will hopefully provoke some thoughts. Just before David went on holidays, I shared briefly with him about what I wanted to do, where I wanted to take us these two Sundays. He suggested that we he suggested that I call it the benefit benefit of doubt, the benefit of doubt, and um. And so I'll maybe go with that. And if you don't like that. If you find that too provocative, then blame David. And if, uh, if you're happy enough, let's, let's go with that. A lot of what I want to share this Sunday, and, uh, and, I will, and I will a wee bit next Sunday, but a lot of what I want to share this morning is a huge part of my story, a huge part of my journey, um, of my Christian experience. And uh, that's not so much a testimony this morning, but it is something that I want to, that I want to take you on some of the things that I've that I've believed, some things that I now maybe don't hold as tightly to, and um, and let you in on that a wee bit. I feel all of a sudden, actually, as I was preparing this, I felt felt quite confident. It. Now, as I gaze upon this room, I'm feeling really vulnerable, and uh, and I'm I'm usually okay with that. So, um, but but go with me. I want to share a huge part of my story, and and I think. I think some of it will resonate. I'm really believing. I'm really praying right now. Holy Spirit, would this resonate with people? 
Um, for some, it might agitate and know that that is never my intention. My intention is never to agitate. That's Holy Spirit's job. And, uh, and so if you feel agitated today, I would suggest that take it up. Uh, take it up with him maybe before you blame me. His job is to convict. I, lo- I, I love it. Billy. It's, it's, it's attributed to Billy Graham. Father's job is to Father's job is to judge. Holy Spirit's job is to convict. My job's to love. And uh, too often in the, in the church we've maybe got that the wrong way around. Um, so Holy Spirit, would you convict and agitate this morning? I. Uh, I feel like I've spent most, I've probably spent most of my Christian life, up until maybe the last two or three years, but I spent most of my Christian life surrounded by people who think the same way that I think. Spent so much of my Christian life around people that believe exactly the same things that I believe. And, uh, and I didn't never intend it to be that way, I don't think, but I just found such a safety in that, such a, such a security in that. You come into a position of, 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 of leadership, you come into a position that I now find myself in, and then you're, you begin to be exposed to people who think differently. I begin to engage with people who, who do think differently than I do. They don't hold to the same preferences that I hold to. And so, and so over the last couple of years, I can step in, I'm going to probably step in in and out of this journey if I can step into what, what I'm feeling right now as I've engaged more and more with those outside of my circle, outside of the, 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 that tribe that I ended up finding myself in. I have now realized that I possibly know less than I've ever known. I think I probably know less than I've ever known. But if I can say this in deep humility, I feel I'm more, I'm more committed to the person of Jesus than I've ever been. And Judas at the back, and, I, and I, I'm longing that that's, that would be true, that that testimony would be true. I feel like I know less than I've ever known. She's not lifting her eyes, that's concerning. But I'm, I, I, uh, I feel like I'm more committed to the person of Jesus than I've ever been. I'm more committed to the ways of Jesus than I've ever been. And part of that feels contradictory. And maybe as you're listening, that feels contradictory. You know less than you've ever known, but you're more committed and in love and, and, and enthused by the person of Jesus than you've ever been. Part of that feels like it maybe doesn't make sense. See, what I began, what I realized as I look back on my Christian experience is that I convinced myself that Father's pleasure with me was based on believing the right things. That if I believed the right things, if I had the, my set of doctrines, uh, eyes dotted, those T's crossed, Father was pleased with me. That his pleasure with me was based on believing the right things. So I don't know if that relates. I'm hoping that that resonates with somebody. That, that's what I grew up so long believing. And so you, you know what the consequence of that was? The consequence, and I think my mum and dad could testify to this, I think there's others that are close enough to me could testify, whenever I think his pleasure with me is based on believing the right things, I fight for them. I fight and I argue for those things because I'm so convinced that he, if, I don't, if I don't fight for this, if I don't argue for this, then it's going to affect the pleasure that he has on me. 
Maybe that seems really silly to you, but for me, that's, 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 been my, that's been my journey. And so I fought for those things. I argued for those things to please him. But as I look back, I realized that I looked increasingly less. I looked less and less like him. Again, it sounds, sounds ludicrous that I would be fighting and arguing for him, fighting and arguing to please him. But all along, I was looking less and less like him. I think the consequence of, of believing that his pleasure with me was based on believing the right things, I found myself consumed at times with a fear of being wrong. I felt it was just, there was no, as I look back, no, no level of intimacy, no level of, of knowing him first and foremost as father. So if I was only, if dad was only going to be pleased with me, if dad was only going to, if I was only going to be allowed to dinner today with dad if I believed the right things. What, like, what sort of relationship is that? But that's how I convinced him. So I had this fear of being wrong. If I live that way with my dad, if I live that way with those closest to me, but unless I believe the right things, I'm not going to be accepted, I'm not going to be loved, I'm not going to find their pleasure. I'm left with a fear of being wrong. And so what I've come to realize, and a lot of the, like, near enough everything that I'm saying here is hindsight, and, uh, and so as I thought about faith, as I thought about my beliefs, I've realized that my beliefs were more about a what than a who. And so, so when it comes to the conversations of faith, it was all about the what I believed. It was a list of the doctrines. It was a list of the what's. And it was never about the who. That's probably one of the marks that, that there's been a huge shift in me. It's moved, when it comes to the conversation about faith and belief, it's moved from a what to a who. So I believed, as we asked some conversations, as we try to enter into a conversation around faith, I, I believe that faith was about being certain. Faith was about being certain, was about being right. And so the more certain that I was, the stronger my faith was. That's what I believed. And so, because faith meant being certain and being right, it meant that I cannot have any doubts. Any questions that arise in the journey of life, any, any things that, are, that arise as I engage with the word, they're suppressed because doubts are wrong. Doubts are the enemy. Doubts are going to impact my certainty. Asking those questions are going to impact how much I know. And again, as I look back, I think I behaved in such a way that for me, faith was a thing where all of the thinking has been done for you. Now you sign in the dotted line. Enter into this contract. And I, th- and I feel like I want to talk a wee bit more about that next Sunday. I think for, for me, I've realized that my journey has been one of, of where it comes to the question of faith, is one from moving from, uh, from contract to covenant. I, I was, Neil, all the thinking's been done for you. Here is the set of beliefs, sign in the dotted line, and you're in. And um, maybe, that sounds, maybe that sounds really harsh. I don't mean it to sound really harsh. And, and uh, I don't really want to respect the journey that you're all on. I, I'm, I'm wanting this. I'm wanting you to hear my heart today. And I want to, I want to talk about next Sunday more so than today, that I think the whole way through the scriptures we see a God of covenant. An idea of contract is, is something of how my relationship with him looked like. 
my understanding of faith was more looked more like a contract than it did a covenant. And so I believed that doubt was, was the enemy to faith. I was convinced that doubt was the enemy to faith. I was convinced that doubt was the barrier to walking with Jesus. Is this all right? Is with me? Nobody's going to start throwing stuff at me yet. But doubt, I believe that doubt was the enemy to faith. I believe that it was a barrier to walking with Jesus. And so can I say this? Over the last couple of years, my favorite disciple bar none is Thomas. Mainly because I love the underdog. And I just feel like Thomas gets such a bad press. He gets such bad press and I love the underdog. Anybody of you, if any of you are following the World Cup, uh, I don't know if you're the same as me, but I love the underdog. And, and I hate saying this. I didn't intend to say this, and I don't mean to cause offence, Melissa, but Korea, when Korea were playing Germany during the week, I, it's, no, it's nothing against Germany. I'd have been more than happy if Germany got through. But Korea, they're the underdog and the one. I find myself just cheering. Like I, haven't, I haven't really found myself that enthused yet, but when, when Korea, the underdogs, beat, beat the reigning champions, it's a moment to celebrate. I found myself yesterday uh, on my phone. Everybody else had a device in the house and I was left with my little phone watching Uruguay v. Portugal. And, uh, and Uruguay, a country with a similar size of, of Wales, three million people, and uh, the underdogs. And I know that they're world-class players, but as a nation, the underdogs entering into this game, Portugal reigning uh, European champions. I'm going to go on a rant about football because I'm... But, uh, but the, I love the underdog. I'm cheering the underdog. I'm passionately cheering the underdog. And when Uruguay win, I, I'm happy, not because of anything else, but because of the underdog. They would unexpectedly, uh, unexpectedly win. And so Thomas becomes my favorite disciple. And, uh, and I know Peter's incredible. Peter's, Peter's a wonderful character. Peter is a fascinating character. But Peter wants to have all the right answers. And so as I was thinking about this last night, I, this picture came into my head when I thought about Peter and Thomas being in the same classroom. And I don't know if you, if you and your, I know some of you are still at school, I don't know if there's a student in your classroom that whenever the teacher asks a question, there's that one, there's that one kid that's always me, 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 me. Yeah, what, Peter, what's the answer? Gives it fifth, sixth time. Anybody else, anybody else, Peter's like this. All right, Peter, what's the answer? And I, I sort of make me feel like that's a wee bit what Peter was like. If we were to read about Peter's experience at school, that's what I think of Peter doing at school. Peter is this character. He wants to have all the right answers. But for me, as I watch Thomas, Thomas wants to wrestle. Thomas wants to take hold. Thomas wants to ask those questions. There's things that come up as he walks and journeys with Jesus that cause him the question that caused him to want to enter into a conversation. And, and I'm, I'm struck. I know that there's, a, there's this story at the end where he wants to, he'll not believe unless he sees the hands and as he sees the feet. And what strikes me about that story, just by the way, is that Jesus never rebukes Thomas for that. Jesus never rebukes him. And I think sometimes we rebuke the doubter. We rebuke the doubting Thomas. And again, by the way, there's a little verse in Jude. Jude, verse 22, says, Be merciful to those who doubt. 
But John chapter 11 has this, has the story of the death of Lazarus. And, uh, and Jesus and the disciples have had to get out of Judea because they are, their, their lives are trying to be stoned. And Jesus is now saying, guys, we're going to have to go back because we're gonna, you're going to see something incredible. I'm, I'm about to do something that you've never seen before. This is going to rock your world. And so Thomas, I, I just love Thomas's response. And so John chapter 11, verse, I think it's, yeah, verse 16 Thomas is just like, well, Jesus, if that's where you're going, I'm going too, and we'll, just, we'll die together. And so if you're looking at Thomas negatively, if you're looking at him with the bad, bad press that he gets, it's like, oh, such lack of faith, Thomas. Why are, you, why are you speaking negatively into the situation here? Jesus is, you're about to see something incredible. You're going with Jesus, and you're convinced yourself that we're going to die. But I love it, because he's not certain. And he's not going to fake it. He's not going to put up his hand and give the pat answer. He's not going to give the right answer that, he, that everybody thinks that he should give. He's going to say that he's not certain. He is not full of faith. And why I love him and why I'm so attracted to Thomas is because he trusts Jesus. Because he is committed to following him even when he's not sure. I love that. He has committed himself to trusting Jesus. He is not certain. He is not sure. I think if you're talking percentages, I think you're like you're down in your boots here. He is not sure. He has convinced himself that they're going to die, but he has so committed himself to Jesus. He has so committed, committed himself to trust that he's going to follow even when he's not sure. And I just have needed to know that. I have just needed the permission from Father to wrestle with those things. And so Father... I'm not sure. I'm not certain about this. I don't feel full of faith for this. But I am committed to you. I'm committed to Jesus. And I'm going to follow even when I'm not sure. I begin to do something in my heart when I, can, when I start to think like that. When I start to respond to him like that. Because it's about a who. It's not about a what. And so for me as I begin to think about how I define faith, what faith looked like for me. Let me offer some things that, that, that now are of supreme importance for me when I think of faith. And I don't want to put them in order, but just off the back of what I'm sure in, faith is about trusting in the character of Jesus. Faith is about trusting in the character of Jesus. And I've loved that. Because I've went on a journey with, with the Father. I've, I've spent so much of my experience thinking that he was angry with me, that he was out to get me, and, and good cop Jesus was the one getting in the way. But all along, all along, Jesus said it himself, if you want to see the Father, look at me. And many of you have heard me saying this over and over. And so as I began to watch the ministry of Jesus, as I began to watch the person of Jesus, to listen to what he's saying, as I, as I watch him live it out, for me, faith has been a matter of trusting in his character. Trusting in his character. Trusting in the nature of the Father. Trusting in the character of Jesus. Trusting in the gentleness and the whisper of the Holy Spirit. Faith is about trusting in his character. Huge thing for me. Again, thinking about Thomas, just like Thomas, as I think about faith. 
how I try to define faith, for me it has to be authentic. It has to be real. And that's what, ha- that's what had to take place in my life. Faith, for me, had to become authentic. And I know that this probably sounds like a cheesy line, but uh, we were away, me and Stuart and Amy were away for a few days, and, and on the po- a poster uh, just outside the bathroom of the room that we were staying in, it says, life, uh, life is not a destination, it's a journey. And, th- and that's how I feel about faith. Like for me, I always thought that faith was a destination. I, I had to make my way in this trajectory of certainty. And the stronger, the more certain I was, the higher the percentage of certainty, the stronger my faith. But I've come to realize, and if I'm being true to, to, how, to how life operates, that's just not the way it works, is it? It's a, it's a pilgrimage. Life and faith, it's a, it's a pilgrimage. It's going through the rough terrain. It's a journey. It's going on the ups and the downs. It's, it's, for me, it's never a destination. And the more I made it about a destination, the more I tried to convince myself it was about how certain I was, the less authentic that I felt. So faith for me had to become authentic. Faith for me had to be, had to be a trusting in the character of Jesus. Faith for me had to had to recognize that this is not a destination, it's a pilgrimage, it's a journey. And I, and I know that we're, like, we're on the, if you want to call it that, just a spectrum, that, that uh, spectrum of faith or whatever you want to say today, we're all in different parts of this journey. We're all in different parts of this pilgrimage. But can I just suggest for those of us that have said yes to Jesus, that have placed their faith in Jesus, that if you've never struggled with your faith, if you've never struggled with the level of, of certainty that you feel, if you've never had those moments, I want to ask you to come here and to preach because I would, could sit down. <laughs> if you've never struggled, either you're, you've been living under a rock or you're telling lies. Is that all right to say that? If, you've, if you went through the journey of life, if you've engaged with people who think differently even than you do, and you've never struggled, you've never wrestled, questions have never risen to the surface, doubts have never bubbled up in your mind, if that has never happened to you, you've either been under a rock or down lies. I want to push it, actually, can I just push it a wee bit further? I, 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 hope, I hope that not just Judith, but everybody that is part of this family knows how much I love the word. I love the word. And if you've never, but I also want to say that if you have never read the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, through some rough periods of history, through some challenging narrative in the Old Testament, if you've never read that and struggled, if you've never read through the Bible and had doubts rise to the surface, questions that you almost automatically want to suppress, if you've never struggled or doubts raised from reading the Bible, I want to suggest to you that you've never really read it. You've maybe, you've maybe looked through it, you've maybe read through it, but you've never, I don't think you've ever taken hold of it. Because if the Word of God, if it's never caused you to, to struggle and to fight and to wrestle and, to, and to, to engage with doubts and to engage with serious questions, then I want to suggest you've never truly read it. As I read that off the page, it didn't feel as, as provocative as it is, and I don't mean it to be, but 
I'm, I'm, I'm just so passionate about us engaging with this with integrity. I'm so passionate about us engaging with faith and with the word with real integrity. Um, what, what time did I? What time is it? Or what time did I start? Forgive me. Ten past twelve. Oh man. Um, give me ten minutes. Will you give me ten minutes? At twenty past twelve, I give permission. Who wants to be a volunteer? Twenty past twelve. Somebody can raise their hand. Right, lads, flip me. <laughs> Never seen two hands go up as quick in a meeting in my life. Almost feel like I want to do an appeal at the end now. If that's this, their level of hands going up as quick as that. Um, I, I touched on this last week. I am going to. I will be ten minutes. Do it subtly, boys. Uh, I love Ecclesiastes. I'm talking. I love the Book of Solomon. Or I love the the Book of Solomon. Well, I'm definitely going off on weird ground now. I love the person of Thomas. I love the Book of Ecclesiastes. I'm so fascinated by. By Solomon, I'm so fascinated as I read through. There's been times. See, see when my, see when my, when it was for me, it was all about certainty. It was all about being right. That the Father's pleasure in me was based on on how right that I was. I could not handle Ecclesiastes. I stepped into the book of Ecclesiastes, and it made me so uncomfortable because it was like, here's Solomon. He has everything, and he is he pursues everything imaginable, and says at the end of it, what's the point? There is no fulfillment here. There is, even in chapter 2 and in other places, talks about a pursued knowledge. I thought that's where it was going to be found. I thought that's where life and fullness was going to be found. And so I pursued, I give myself to knowledge, I give myself to wisdom, I give myself to being certain, to knowing all the right answers, to having an answer to all the questions. I give myself to that, but even that was futile. Even at the end of it all, I came to that place where... Lord, what's the point in this? It's a challenging book, but I've grown to love it. I've grown to love this book because, again, Solomon was not certain. (laughs) Solomon was not full of faith. Solomon was not full of all the right answers. And you know what? He couldn't work it all out. He couldn't work it all out, but he could commit himself to the nature and the character of God. And it's why at the end of it all, he was able to say, I can't work it out. I'm not certain. I don't know it all. But I can say this. I can conclude with this. Fear God. Honor him. Obey him. I can do that. Because for him, I think for Solomon, it was about being authentic. For Solomon, it was about, well, at least... If everything else falls apart, if there's, if there's some stuff that I don't get, if there's some stuff that I don't fully, cannot fully take a hold of, I know this much, that I can trust in the character of God. For me, it's powerful. And I'm, and I'm drawn. I cannot help on this journey that I've been on. I cannot help be drawn to their honesty. I cannot help but be drawn to their authenticity. I cannot help but be drawn to their letting go of needing to know all the answers. I find myself just being drawn to that. And if you hear with a place where I was, I think whether you agree with me or not, or whether that's been your journey, you can see the relief that that would bring. A letting go of needing to know. And part of me wants, I said to Judith last night, part of me wants to spend time like defending what I'm saying. 
I think Judith, you can blame Judith. Judith just felt like Judith just gave me permission that, like, don't spend so much time trying to do that. So I hope you, just, I hope you hear my heart. I'm not throwing everything up for debate. I'm not saying everything that you know, everything that you know and you've taken hold of, throw it all up in the air and put it all up for debate. I'm not saying that. And I hope that you don't hear that. But as I go through Solomon and I, and I go through the story of Thomas, and, and even, the, I'll not, we'll not have time now. See, Judith, I told you I could cut some stuff out. A lot of time to go through the Old Testament journey. But all along, whether it's Solomon, it's Thomas, or it's through the whole Old Testament, the, the, the story of God's people, through the whole Old Testament narrative, there is a willingness to act and there is a willingness to trust in the face of uncertainty. And I just feel like I've, I've found that, I've been exposed to that as I've went to his word, as I've gazed upon him. As I've blessed the Lord, as I've baracked, as I've bowed down before him, I, I feel like, and it doesn't always happen, trust me. Oh my goodness, it doesn't always happen. But in those moments, oh, there's a willingness to act. There's a willingness to trust in the face of uncertainty. And I'd love to take longer at this, but can I just say where Adam and Eve are concerned, I think this, is, this has been a, a thing for us right back from the beginning. And I know that there's a lot of consequences and there's a lot of stuff that we can talk around the fall, known as the fall, and around Adam and Eve and stuff that we learn from that, the consequences from that. But as I read, as I read Genesis 3 this week, I was struck by, by Adam and Eve. I was struck that this is a story of what happens when we, when we uh, elevate, when we elevate knowing above trusting. I was running of time, but I th- I'm hoping that most of you are familiar with it. If not, forgive me, but if you were to go to Genesis 3, you'll see that, that, that the level of intimacy, that the, that the connection that, that, they, that humanity had with, with the Godhead, this, this triune God, and, and God comes and says, guys, this is, this is yours, but, but see this. this. This is knowledge. This is the knowledge of Good and evil, just this is not for you. Not for you to go near. But Eve so wanted to know. Eve so wanted to, to have to have all the answers. She wanted all the wisdom. And she was tricked by the serpent. Told her once you take of this you'll be like God, you'll be able to you'll be able to know it all. You'll be able to have wisdom to understand it all. And we're familiar with what happens, I believe, that, that she takes of it, and I think it breaks, breaks the Father's heart. He has to remove them because of what they now know. And all along, the Father was just, guys, this is, this is, this is, this is it, this is the boundaries, and, and you don't need to know all the answers. I'm asking you, will you trust me? You don't need to know it all, Adam and Eve. But am I inviting you into a relationship of trust? Will you trust me? Or is our, is, our, is our appetite for knowing so great that we will elevate it above trusting? And in those moments of uncertainty, and in those moments when we're not sure, will you trust him or not? And so part of my journey, as I bring this to a close, part of my journey has been letting go of knowing first. And trust me, I am passionate about the Bible. I'm tr- passionate about what it reveals. There is things that I'm still incredibly passionate about. Ultimately, the gospel. I'm not lever letting go of that. And there's other things that, I, that are first, that are primary. 
that are close-handed and I'll never let them go. But there are things that were open-handed and I fought for them and I argued with them. And I became less and less like Jesus in that journey. And part of my journey has been letting go of needing to know first. Of needing to sort it all out before I commit. There's part of that has been freeing. And if I'm being really honest, like there has been part of it that I've found really difficult. Because, because, it's a, because it's a default. Because it was my nature to hold on to those things and fight for them whenever you begin to start to let go of that. It's not as easy. Like I'm, I'm presenting this to you in a few minutes, and, but really that journey has taken a long time. And it's still ongoing. It's a pilgrimage. It truly is a pilgrimage. It truly is a journey. And so those times when I thought that I had all the right answers, I believed that that's when my faith was strong. But as I began to truly engage with this, as I began to truly engage with the narratives in the gospel, I realized that, that Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees. He spoke to the Pharisees. He spoke to the, the, the teachers of the law. And they had all the knowledge. And I bought into the myth that more knowledge meant more faith. But if that's the case, then what do we do with the Pharisees? What do we do with these people that Jesus constantly butt, butted heads with? And these guys were full of knowledge. These guys were well-versed. They knew their scriptures. They knew it back to front, inside out. So, and I had bought the myth. I had bought, I had bought into the myth that more knowledge meant more faith. And so the more right answers that I had, the stronger that my faith was. But you know what happened in those moments? You know what I began to realize? And again, it's a hindsight thing. He became a God that I could control. Whenever I thought it was about having all the right answers, he then, I thought, I've made it. I'm certain about all of this stuff. And then he became a God that I can control. He became a God that agreed with everything that I agreed with. He became a God that endorsed all the books that I read. He became a God that went with me to all of the conferences and only mine, only the books that I read and agreed with all the things that I agreed. That's what happened. It truly did. It's not just to preach a sermon. This is the the way way that that my relationship with him was. And and that was frightening. Whenever I began to see that I, I am... I have put him in a box that he cannot, he cannot operate in a way that is beyond my comprehension. I feel like I need to write that down. I just, what does I say? I had so put him in a box that, that I had restricted him. I had captivated him. I had put him in this place that, any, that he couldn't do anything outside of this box that I had placed him in. Couldn't comprehend it. And so now I'm longing for a faith that remains open to the ever-moving spirit. John chapter 3 verse 8 has just been a verse. I feel like it's that the Lord just reminds me of it every time I'm in worship. Every time I'm reading the Bible. Every time I'm in my quiet place. Reminds me of John 3 verse 8. That the spirit blows where he wants. He's not going to be taken captive by my certainty. He's not going to be taken captive by my, by my limited self. See, every time I approach it, I approach it my limited, broken self, as we all do. And so I now am longing for a faith for me and for you that remains open to the ever-moving spirit, that remains open to new possibilities. And so part of me today, I hope, would free some people from those questions and those doubts and that you have convinced yourself that that's an enemy, that it's something you have to suppress, that it's something you have to ignore and block out but I want to say that it's not your enemy. Because I've went to this place, and I'll talk more about it next week, of, of the benefits of doubt. Because it te- it's taken me from a place of assumption to a place of wrestling, to a place of taking hold, to a place of uh, refining, or to a place of owning. 
And trust, trust means letting go of the need to be certain. And so I grew up thankful for my granny. Grew, brought me up in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. And for me, that verse, thankfully, granny, 33 years later, it now makes sense. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on what you know. Lean not on your certainty. Trust in him with all that's within you. He's, he is trustworthy. His character is kind and good. Trust in him with all of your heart. Lay not on your own understanding in all of your ways. Acknowledge him. In fact, in the original, it's in all your ways, know him. Acknowledge sort of feels like you're tipping your hat. In all your ways, know him and direct your paths. And I feel like that's the journey that he's taken me on. And um, and part of me hopes that that's helpful. Part of me hopes that you've that you've seen some of that through the word. Part of me hopes that it's freed you. Um, part of me hopes, and I suppose in some ways, I hope that it has agitated because I want, I want those questions. I want us to wrestle through this, and we do it better in community. I'm convinced of that. So, Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for. Um, your goodness and your kindness. I thank you above everything else that we can trust in your character. We can trust in your nature. We can take hold of of uh, of those two truths that you are good and that you love us. And in those moments when we don't know, in those moments when we're uncertain, we can take hold of that. And so God, we just stir an authentic faith among us. We just stir a faith among us that is true to the character and the nature of Jesus. And so we thank you. Amen.